Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove podcast. We're going to be talking about the Major League Baseball lockout. Uh, we're also going to talk NFL. There's all kinds of things to talk about there. And then we're also going to talk NCAA as the March Madness is right around the corner. That and more. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Hey, Welcome in to an all-new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast. I'm joined by my dad, Dale Stover. Dad, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. Looking forward to another podcast here. Yeah, hopefully, right? We've had (laughs) plenty of technical difficulties before we started. Uh, the episode, and we don't know what will happen in the middle of it. So uh, hopefully we can get through this one uh, here today and excited about what's ahead. There's there's plenty of sports news to get to. I want to start off, Dad, with the Major League Baseball lockout. You know, we've talked about this a number of times in previous episodes, and you had been more uh, pessimistic or correct than I was early on about the missing of games and the different things. I still think we're headed to a quicker solution rather than holding out in months at the very least. But obviously the players have decided we're, we're not getting pushed around anymore. And uh, they've stood their ground and the owners seem to have uh, maybe under, underappreciated uh, the stance of the players as well. We canceled games. First two series of the season are now officially canceled. They're still in conversations. Some people are trying to get things worked out. Uh, are you surprised? I know the answer. Are you surprised by the uh, games getting canceled? No, no, I'm I'm not. Um, and I think this brings up another problem because I think now they have another issue they have to work through about you know whether guys are going to get paid for these first two series when they don't play. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think they can pressure the players because they've got a history of kind of caving in on some of that. So um, I, I think that brings another issue up to light. Again, I've tried to keep up on a little bit, but it, it, I think it's hard for anybody to know what the main problem is um exactly you know i mean i guess the players want certain things owners just don't want to give and and from you know from there but um baseball you know like said it's and and i was thinking about it some this week it's it's you know the deal is well hey it's in the spring there's nothing to compete you know this is their best time probably what hurts (laughs) the negotiations is there's nothing to compete um from there you know um yes they're they're losing some um i assume the owners will lose tv money with these games if these games are not played um if that got to be significant then the owners would you know react to that um again i think everybody's kind of wondering why are we you know why are if you're talking two series why are they not extending the season? You know, why are they not just moving things back? Or maybe they will if they get the thing resolved. I, I don't know. I just, it's just it's hard, I think, for us fans on the outside to know really kind of what's going on, what's the issues, and what it's going to take to solve it. Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest issues is they should have been negotiating since December. They didn't start negotiating till February. Um, just weeks before the the deadline basically approached when they could have been talking all winter the owners 
refused or did not chose not to come to the table and talk. And, uh, and at the same time, the players didn't push it either. And so they started, you know, negotiating late. Then you look at it, and every time I read it, the players would drop their asking price on certain things. A lot of this has to do with the younger players, um, their eligibility and their um, time in the league and things like that and how much money they're getting. Uh, a lot of it is that. And they would drop their numbers by $10 million, and then the owners would raise their numbers by $1 million. The owners were not moving in a, in a direction that made it look like they were willing to make a compromise and meet in the middle. And in my opinion, from everything that I've read, is the owners here are just kind of in that, that mindset of we're the boss and eventually the players will cave because they always have. And I think the players have decided, no, we're not this time. We're, we're, we're going to be done with this nonsense. And you look at the player empowerment movement that's gone on in the NBA and the NFL. And, and I think baseball players, even though the superstars get paid all kinds of money, um, they've decided, you know what, we're not going to get pushed around anymore by the owners. And uh, they're going to call the bluff, I guess, on the owners and say, you know, if you truly want to play games, then you're going to have to at least – you know, meet or come very close to our request. And to this point, the owners have been unwilling to do that. Uh, you know, baseball's weird, Dad. They have all these rules about, you know, a, a player, if he plays so many innings, it doesn't count against the team, and they can hold on to the, the lesser contract that way, and he's not eligible for free agency and for till longer, and those kinds of things. And, and that's the kind of stuff they're trying to get changed. Now, there's other things as well. The Owners wanted 14 teams in the playoffs. The players said, no, 12 is our limit. Um, that's interesting to me. I, you know, expanding the playoffs, obviously the owners are making money. Uh, but you'd think players would make money, too, in that situation. Any idea why a player would be against 14 teams versus 12 teams in the playoffs? Well, I again, 12 teams is probably a lot. Um, again, baseball has not been as even as, you know, football has been lately. And you get past so many teams, you know, so many numbers of teams, you've you got teams that really aren't very good and really aren't going to compete. Um, and, you know, I, baseball is not leveled out at all. You've got the really good teams and you've got the really bad teams and not too many there in the middle. Now and then a team that wasn't supposed to do good surprises. A couple teams made good moves last year, but to say they're playoff teams, um, I, 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 I don't know from a fan standpoint, you know, football, I think adding more teams was was good. There were no doubt about that. I'm not sure baseball fans would say, oh, yeah, let's have a lot more teams in that it would really help. In my opinion, nothing being discussed in these uh, labor talks have anything to do with the fans. Uh, the only thing that hurts the fans is not having a product on the field. And, uh, you know, that's that's the only effect it has on fans whatsoever. Everything else is literally between the owners and the players. It's financial um, service time, those sorts of things. And, uh, you know, how quickly will they get to it? I don't know. Um, like I said, there are people talking even now, but I, I think the players, they've just decided enough's enough. And if we've got to hold out even for a season, we'll do it uh, for the betterment of the future players that are coming up through this league. Um, because again, it's, it's not these, these contract negotiations, these labor talks, they really have very little to do with the older guys. There, there is some things in there, obviously, but this is majority looking to the younger guys and the guy, the future of Major League Baseball. 
And uh, I'm impressed, honestly. The players have impressed me at the stand they've taken so far. And I completely side with the players. I know you haven't read as much as I have, kept up with it as much as I have, but do you have a side that you pick on this one, uh, who, who you're siding with, players or, or owners? Well, um, again, I mean, the, the people that you need to be for are the fans, and the fans don't really have a voice in this, like you said. So um, I, I don't know. I, yeah, it looks like so far I'd agree with you. The player is probably a little easier to side with them. Um, but, again, you got guys making a lot of money, but you got the owners that make a lot of money and just want to make more. So that's, that's what's happened here when you get – to leagues where you just turn the money loose and the contracts go crazy, then, you know, it, 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 there, there's no end to it. And I think baseball should remember what's happened in work stoppages in the past with, with getting fans back. Uh, but really in fans is not as big a deal now as the TV money. Um, as long as they're getting TV money, you know, well, I, I don't think they would want the TV would not want to show empty stands. Um, but, um, and again, I, I, but I, I think, you know, there's not much way fans can really unite, you know, but I think maybe not going to games, um, and not watching games. I mean, if the TV ratings were really, really down, TV is what would affect this and what would drive this. Um, sponsors pulling off TV broadcasts, um, things like that. But I don't know that that's going to happen. But there are more options out there. You know, some of the other sports are growing, doing better. And, um, you know, it, it, maybe there could be something brought to bear. But I, I think they're by far best served to get this worked out fairly quickly and um, go on because baseball's had a little bit of a resurgence here lately. But, um, you know, after that one work stoppage, I didn't have any interest in following baseball really much for a while. And that could definitely be the, the feeling here again. What brought you back to baseball? What, what drew your interest back in after I mean, the last work stoppage? I mean, I've always kept up with baseball. When I was a kid, I listened to ball games a lot. And, um, you know, just given time, you get interest. I do not watch a lot of baseball games um, yeah. at all. I, I follow, you know, like I said, I, I like the Giants. You know, if there's certain players um, that you watch, um, but as far as watching a lot of baseball games, I really, I really haven't. The thing that's kept me most interested has been fantasy baseball. If it hadn't been for fantasy baseball, I wouldn't know players on different teams or anything. But, but I enjoy fantasy sports. Well, fantasy football and fantasy baseball is about the only two things I've done. A little bit of stock car, you know, back in the day. But um, I've thought about getting involved in more of them and hockey and things like that. But um, you know, I, I enjoy that part of it, but that's what's kept me most interested. For me, and I was still young, but, you know, you had the McGuire-Sosa stuff, the home runs. That started to draw people back to baseball after the work stoppage. And then <laughs> Barry Bonds came on shortly after that, of course. Then they cracked down on the steroids. They took all the fun out of baseball, basically. <laughs> and it took them a while after they cracked down on steroids. It took them a while to build a base back up. And I feel like they're starting to do that. They got the right people now. You got the Bryce Harpers, the Shohei Atanis, Mike Trout, uh, Jacob DeGrom. You've got these superstars in baseball right now. Uh, Vlad Guerrero's in there as well. And they've got everything they need to build baseball back, to get a young audience that uh, follows these superstars. Because that's what 
today's generation does that. They follow players. They don't follow teams. Um, we saw that when Tom Brady announced his retirement. Uh, we saw when he moved to Tampa Bay and everybody went, all the Patriots fans were now Buccaneers fans. And then, and then now Brady retires and you got a bunch of people sitting there going, who am I supposed to cheer for now? Um, whereas there is a generation, the older generation, and even my generation that was still cheering for teams. Now you saw that a little bit with Jordan as well. He was kind of a, maybe the beginning of that really following a player. Um, but, uh, then you saw it with Kobe following that and you saw it. And, and it's grown with LeBron, and he's changed teams so many times. And that's why, uh, you know, anyways, they were not talking about greatest basketball players, but LeBron ain't it. But uh, nonetheless, with that happening, you've got those players in Major League Baseball right now that that kids like to follow. Mookie Betts. I mean, there's so many players right now. And baseball is just trying to squash any enjoyment whatsoever for the fans. And they're doing it successfully, I think. Now, when it comes back on, I'm going to watch it. I'm not one of the people who says I'm done with baseball forever. I'm going to watch it when it comes back. I enjoy watching the Brewers play. Um, you know, I won't watch just any baseball game. Don't get me wrong, but I enjoy watching the Brewers play and, and whatnot from there. I just think that every time Major League Baseball gets any momentum, they crush it with the, the work stoppage back. Uh, and what was that, the, the early 90s, late 80s? When was the work stoppage? I, I, I don't remember the year. Um, I was, it was probably early 90s. And then uh, then you had the home run stuff that was great and started to drop it back. Then they cracked down on steroids. And then um, then uh, pitching started being incredible, and they said no spider tack. And now uh, another work stoppage as a result of players and owners fighting. So I, in my opinion, Major League Baseball is the worst run professional sport right now. Uh, league, I think that they need to get rid of the commissioner. I think he is a, a hack. Um, you know, I mean, he's doing the bidding of the owners. I, I need to remind people of that everybody likes to pile on the commissioner. And I understand that, but you know, he's he's kind of a puppet <laughs> to the owners, and he's doing what the owners desire. So you got to remember that as well. But um, I'm disappointed, sadly, sorely disappointed. Uh, of course, I'm a big fantasy guy as well. We've got a fantasy baseball show. Uh, the co-host on Sunday, and uh, you know this is it's a real bummer. But uh, hopefully they get things knocked out here soon, and we only miss maybe at the most a month of baseball, um, and get things rolling again uh, sometime soon as well. One league that very rarely disappoints, uh, at least on the field, is the NFL, and uh, plenty of NFL stuff going on these days. Let's start with uh, Aaron Rodgers, Dad. Um, we were told. Uh, back in January, I think, that Rodgers would uh, let let the Packers know before the franchise tag, um, around the time the franchise tag had to be given, what he was going to do. We still don't have an answer on Aaron Rodgers. Most people now uh, say what we've been saying for months. He's either going to be a Packer or he's going to retire. When are we going to know what Aaron Rodgers is doing? And, well, let me ask that question first, and then I've got another question for you. Well, I, I think it should be in in the next week because again, I I think um, you know all the sides. Everybody needs to know. Um, you know, the big question is, does he know already? I would guess that he does, um, and and I'm sure you know he he knows how he wants to announce it. Um, you know, will it be on a Tuesday on the, on the radio show that he goes on? Um, you know, how, how, how will that be, um, from there? So I, again, I wouldn't think it'd be 
much longer. Um, just be not if he if he's going to you know help out with uh, the franchise tag thing, and of course the Packers. A lot of talk. Of course, everybody's been at the combine this week, but again, for them to start moving on at this point, they just have to plan several different scenarios until um, he we, they know about him then they can um, you know start moving on and so if he wants to be on a successful team with the Packers um, you know it's going to help to know sooner or later so um, you know pretty soon but we'll we'll see I, w- I would think if it's not this weekend I would think it'd be middle of the week next week I mean Rodgers knows what he's going to do right I would think so. I mean, you know, he says he keeps having to work through things and look at different things and, you know, talk to people and all that. But yeah, I would, I I would think so. Um, or at least he'd have an awful good inkling. As a Packer fan, does this frustrate you that he's dragging this out? Um, do you understand that it, why he's dragging it out? Do you side with him in this situation? Where are you currently uh, with the Aaron Rodgers drama? No, I'm getting more frustrated um, with that. Um, I had a, um, I talked to a, a Packer fan at, at work the other day who's a really, really big Packer fan. And he said, you know, I'm really developing a love-hate relationship with this guy. And, um, you know, you look, you know, we've only won one Super Bowl and hey, you know, you know, he, he, he needs to decide. And I think, um, you know, fans are, Yeah, I think everybody's frustrated, and if it and if this does really drag on, um, you know, I I think you're going to look back at him as things that he said, and if he really, you know, really changes that, then it's going to be hard for fans. It'd be hard for me from there. And you know, he said a lot this year about the Packer fans, Packer organization. and you know if if he if he went somewhere else, and every day it goes on, it makes it tougher on the people in the Packers organization because they're asked all the time. And yeah. you know it, it's it's great for the national sports talk show people because they can just keep making things up left and right and stories. I heard some things that were unbelievable this week. I thought surely anybody can see through this. Um, but you know, maybe not. I mean, you know, a guy makes a statement and one of these guys said, well, now here's what this statement really meant. No, he said what he said, um, you know, from there, no, it doesn't mean that, or you can't, you know, know that it does. Um, but anyhow, I, no joking. I believe that we have covered the Aaron Rodgers stuff as close to the truth as any anybody nationally. Um, I've heard so many things nationally. I go, that's ever. There's no way that's true. You know, it's not true. You're just making it up to try to get clicks and different things like that. Rodgers. One thing about him is he loves his legacy. He cares about what his legacy is. And the longer this goes on, his legacy gets diminished because the only people that stood up for Aaron Rodgers' legacy, being that he only has one Super Bowl win. Uh, And the only people that stood up for him were Packer fans. And now he's starting to alienate them. And that's going to hurt his legacy long term. Uh, Is he a great quarterback? Yes. Does he give the Packers the best chance to win a Super Bowl next year? Yes. But as I said months ago, I'm fine with moving on. Um, I'd be fine if they traded him. I'd be fine if he retired. I don't think it puts the Packers in the best situation for next year, but I'm over it. Uh, if he's on the team, great. It's, it's the best chance we have to win. If he's not on the team, 
I'm perfectly fine with it. I'm, I'm ready to be done with this. It really is more and more reminiscent of Brett Favre's final days in Green Bay, where we're sitting there going, seriously, just make up your mind, man. What are you doing? And I think that the fact that we are where we are, Rodgers has to know what he's going to do. He's chosen not to tell anybody. It's just more drama. And at the end of the day, we just want a good football team. And we're tired of, of all the nonsense that goes on. Yeah, I think he's trying to prove a point. Is he proving it? I'm not sure. Um, but I think he's. I think every day that he waits, uh, he makes people more upset, and uh, and he's losing his fan base. Uh, similar to the way Favre did at the end of his career, he got it back. Right, Favre got it back. He made it all. He made amends uh, after he retired. But uh, nonetheless, it's a sticky situation for sure. Um, if you had to say. Percentage-wise, what percentage do you think Aaron Rodgers is starting for Green Bay next year? Um, I would say 85%. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I think he is. Um, I'm, I'm Like you said, I'm okay if he retires. I'm not okay if he goes to another team um, <laughs> at all because I think that just goes against everything he has said and everything he does. And then it, you know, really is more all about him. Um, if he retires, I don't know that he could retire now and feel happy about it, you know, once the season starts, um, unless he really has something else, you know, lined up um, to be involved in um, and do. And, and, you know, when he gets out right now, you know, he'd, he'd get involved in social issues and things like that. But, um, I, you know, I, I feel like he's, I feel like he's coming back. I'll be surprised if he doesn't. Now you said you wouldn't be okay if he got, if he was traded, but it sounds to me like you wouldn't be okay with Rogers if that's the route he chooses, but would you be okay with the Packers if they, if they traded him? Um, they're not going to trade him unless that's what he demands. I mean, they're right. But, I, but what I'm saying is, if, if he demands it, are you still going? Are you going to look down on the Packers for that, or would all of the blame be on Rodgers? Oh, I think the blame would be on Rodgers. No, I yeah. think if the Packers have to do that, they have to do it. But when you look at the coaches they've hired, you look at things. They are setting things up for after oh. him. I, this quarterback coach is going to be great for the young quarterbacks. Absolutely no doubt about that. Um, but again, Rodgers comes back. They have a great year. He could win a Super Bowl. I think you, if he does come back, you'll see him get more involved in developing Jordan Love um, in some ways now, as I think we're past that that deal. But um you know, and this will be a big year for Jordan Love because he didn't, you know, he missed a whole year with no preseason. And last year he took all the reps. He knows the system. You know, he just needs to develop more. But, I mean, if Rodgers comes back, he's signing an extension to some degree, whether it's short-term or long-term. You know, he's not he's not coming back for one more year. If he comes back, he's going to sign a two-year extension, a three-year extension, whatever it may be. I think if Rodgers comes back, you might be looking at having to trade Jordan Love. It might not be right away. It might be let him play in the preseason, hope he shows out in the preseason, and then move him somewhere. Um, I don't know that if Rodgers comes back, you have the luxury of holding on to Jordan Love anymore just for the, the fact that you're not guaranteed Rodgers will be done when Love's contract comes up. And I'm not sure that you're going to re-sign Jordan Love to a contract if he doesn't play in his, in his rookie contract. 
No, that's true, but they don't, they've still got a couple of years on his rookie contract and they've got a, a, a one year they can add on to it. So I think the timing still um, can, can work good for that situation. Now, again, if, if preseason and everything goes and they feel like he's not the guy, then yes, you could move on. If he had a great preseason and they really got offered a lot, then um, maybe so, but um yeah, at, at this point, um, you know, we've got a, a couple more years on his contract. So I, I think that could work fine. And I think if Rodgers wins a Super Bowl, he's done um, okay. at, at this point. I could, I could see that for sure. Because um, his legacy would be complete at that point, pretty much. Two Super Bowls secures your spot. Um, other quarterback situations. Mitch Trubisky, ESPN. Uh, reported to be the wrong word. They posted a, an image and they predicted that Mitch Trubisky would be the starting quarterback for the Colts this coming season. I'm all in on the Mitch Trubisky train. Surprisingly enough, I think you give him a second opportunity. It still has to be in the right spot. I think he can be something not, not necessarily superstar. I think that he can be above average, better than say 15 quarterbacks in the league right now. Um, how are you? How do you feel about Mitch Trubisky now? Do you think there is a possibility for him to have success still in the NFL? Yeah, I, I think if he gets in the right spot, like you said, if he gets in the right spot, I think he can be a starting quarterback. Um, and if they, you know, he works with somebody, <coughs> excuse me, that can instill confidence, and um, you know, he's got physical ability, so I, I think there's a chance. I don't know if Indianapolis is the best spot. You know, maybe it would be. I mean, Indianapolis had a lot of strange things at the Combine, you know, as far as just haven't decided yet. You know, um, they've had a little bit of time. So, you know, we'll see. Well, I mean, you know, their options are cut <laughs> or keep Carson Wentz because I don't think anybody's trading for Carson Wentz right now. Um, but they've got Jonathan Taylor, a dynamic superstar running back. They've got some decent receivers on the team. They've got a decent O-line. They've got a good defense. So that's a team that's a quarterback away from being a legit threat in the AFC. The question is, is who is that quarterback that can make them that threat? I'm not sure if there's one in the draft. I'm not sure if there's one in free agency. So you're looking at the trade market, and Trubisky's on that option. The other guy to watch is, is the Giants. They hire the, uh, the Buffalo Bills, a uh, uh, guy from the Buffalo Bills to be their GM. They hire a guy from Buffalo to be their coach. And Trubisky was in Buffalo last year. Now, I still think Daniel Jones, if he's going to have success, it's going to be under Brian Dayball. But Brian Dayball spent a year with Mitch Trubisky. Maybe he likes Trubisky for the future. And maybe he goes out, they go out and get him for New York as well. I think that would be an interesting get. If that happens, you know Dayball knows him. Um, so there'd be experience there. The other team that is Washington. I think Washington. They, uh, like Indianapolis, is a quarterback away from being a threat. And in that NFC East, there's a it's open <laughs> right now. Uh, and uh, But they need a quarterback. Andy Dalton's a free agent. I thought he should have went to Washington last year. He went to Chicago instead. Um, and then you've got guys, I saw Carson Wentz's name come up for Washington and others as well. Jimmy Garoppolo's been an option, although it's starting to look more and more like Pittsburgh might be the landing spot for Garoppolo. Um I mean, are, do you agree that Washington is a quarterback away from being a threat in the NFC? Oh, yes. I, I think so, again, especially in their division. So I, I think that's true. They've got a lot of players 
um, around them. I don't think they can be assured that the guy they have now is going to be the guy they need um, as quarterback, even though he could maybe still develop, you know, um, I, I, depending on what Aaron Rodgers does. And then it's going to depend on what Russell Wilson does because uh, he, <laughs> he is the best option mm -hmm. um, for a lot of these teams and he can make a difference very, very quickly. Uh, now, I think I saw where supposedly he said, you know, he did not want to go to the East Coast or was not going to go to the East Coast. If that's true, then that takes a lot of teams out. Um, mm -hmm. What about the Midwest? You know, um, is that the East Coast? I don't know. Um, I think there's a couple teams in the Midwest that that would be just an ideal spot for him, but that may not be where he wants to live and wants to play. <clears throat> Yeah, you know, Tyler Heineke there in Washington, He to me, he's a Tyrod Taylor type. Uh, he's going to be around the league for a long time. He's going to be a bridge quarterback for a number of organizations. He's going to he's going to he's going to have a job and a paycheck for many years. But is he a legit starting quarterback in the NFL? I'm not sure. Um, you know, I've seen Carolina talking about bringing back Cam Newton, re-signing him. He, of course, finished out the season there. As well, there's a lot of quarterback needy teams this year, which is surprising in my opinion as well. But uh, I don't know. Is there one quarterback um, out there that intrigues you the most? Uh, take out Rodgers. Take out um, uh, uh, Wilson. Is there a quarterback out there that's available that, that intrigues you for a team like Washington or a team like Indianapolis? I think the most intriguing thing is maybe quarterbacks who aren't available now, but you had all these new coaches. So are there going to be any of these teams that are going to move on? Are the Vikings going to stay with Kirk Cousins? Mm -hmm. um, all of a sudden, he becomes a real option. He is a starting quarterback and has been. Um, and I think any of the teams with new coaches, I mean, Jacksonville's not going to get rid of their quarterback. <laughs> but, um, you know, like I said, what, you know, what's going to ha happen there? Is there going to be – I think this could be a very interesting draft the week before with trades. There may be some trades going around because the draft is deep in certain areas and it's not, you know, there's not the individual, oh yeah, these first two guys, you've got to get them. So I think moving around, getting more draft picks, this would be a good, a, a good draft to do that with. And um, I would think, you know, like I said, anybody that got a new coach, um, you know, how, how tight are they to the quarterback? That's a good point. Normally, if you're the number one pick in the draft and you don't need a quarterback, you're looking to trade down to a team that does need a quarterback. This year, there's not a quarterback that's going to go number one overall. And so Jacksonville sits there for the second year in a row at number one overall, and no one can agree on who they're going to take at number one yet. You've got Neal, the offensive lineman from Alabama. You've got some defensive edge rushers. Um, even a little talk about a safety. I don't think that's going to happen, but, uh, what direction should Jacksonville go with number one this year? Well, I, I think with the team they have, um, I think offensive line would be the way to go. And I think trading down would be the way to go. It depends how they have them ranked. If they, if they have an offensive lineman, you know, who they feel like is can't miss, you know, left tackle or whatever, but if they've got three or four guys they like and they can find a team up in the top tier of the draft that wants to move up to that number one pick, what they need is offensive line. And if they can get a good offensive lineman that they're happy with and pick up another draft choice, 
uh, along with it or move up in the draft. Um, you know, they have a chance to get a lot of good players in there. So I would think Jacksonville offensive line is probably the thing they need the most, even though, you know, if, if you have an edge rusher or cornerback or safety that, you know, again, is a can't miss guy. But I, I think at this stage, more picks would still be. And again, you've got Peterson, you know, who's been around in this in a while. So um, I, I would think get, get an offensive lineman, but look at the option of trading down a few picks and, and get some extra with it. But the problem is, I agree with you. And the problem is, is there's there's nobody worth trading up to number one for. I mean, what team, you know, is there, a, is there a player that you think of that you think a team might be willing to jump up to number one to get? Uh, there's going to be some team that has an edge rusher or has somebody where the, that they want. And, um, again, depending on what you have to give up, if it's somebody pretty close to the top, you know, you could swap picks and, and, you know, maybe even just reorganize picks in another round, you know, or, or get another third round or, or whatever the case might be. And that would be a help. So yeah. even like if Detroit wanted to make sure they got the kid from Michigan Hutchinson, that's yeah. just one spot jump. You're talking about a first and fourth round, a first and third round pick, something like that to move up. I, I don't think there's going to be any movement at the top, probably two or three picks. Um, I just don't think there's a player there that just draws people there. Um, if I'm Jacksonville, I'm working really hard to figure out who Detroit wants or uh, who who number three wants, and I'm starting to float it out there. This is who we're interested in and hoping that they'll jump up and grab them. Thinking back to the um, – Markel Fultz, Jason Tatum, NBA draft. The Celtics at number one traded with the 76ers at number three. And knowing they wanted Jason Tatum the whole time, uh, knowing that they the 76ers weren't going to take him, they were able to trade down and still get the better player in that draft. So you try to work some magic on that for sure. Um, they've got to, I mean, at this point, outside of quarterback, Jacksonville needs everything. <laughs> so um, get the best player that you have on your board. And uh, and we'll see how that goes. Um, speaking of the draft, uh, the combine going on, is the combine relevant or irrelevant? Does it really matter? The, talking about the workout part, the, the interviews are crucial. They're important, I believe, at least. Um, but is all the other stuff, the 40-yard dash, the cone drills, the weightlifting that they do at the combine, does that really matter? Um, I think the interviews, like you said, are the most important thing. I've, you know, of course, listened to a lot, read a lot about the Packer people there, and that's what they would say from there. Um, I think the physical part of it is not super crucial. It does give a player a chance to jump up. If somebody who yes. maybe is not really um, at the top, all of a sudden, wow, this guy is that fast. Wow, this guy, this wide receiver jumps up that far. Um, I, I think, you know, somebody that really excels now doesn't mean they're going to be a great NFL player, but I think it, could, it can cause people to get another look um, and have them up a little higher on their board from there. I don't think it makes them a first round pick, but I, I think some of those numbers. Um, make a difference. Now, I've heard scouts say this week <clears throat> they like to see him compete against each other. And again, a lot of that is just seeing what is their attitude and, um, you know, how competitive are they? 
um, and how they handle themselves. So I don't know, you know, I assume the combine will always be around. Um, but last year, you know, there was a lot of these virtual interviews and I've heard a lot about that's the better way to go now because these kids are more comfortable with that. Um, so you never know. I don't know if the combine, um, you know, will ever be a dinosaur, but um, I think it may change some. Yeah, Dan, I mean, there's talks about it being moved out of Indianapolis and uh, moving around to different sites and stuff like that, which would be a big change. And um, it just seems like the pro days is where you get more information physically uh, than you do at the combines anymore. Uh, one of the things that came out in the combine this year is that one of the supposed first round picks, Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh quarterback, his hands are too small to play quarterback in the NFL, Dad. They, they're eight and a half inches. The number's nine. You got to have nine-inch hands, or else you can't do it. Um, what do we What do we make of the fact that there are no superstar quarterbacks with hands smaller than nine inches, and the fact that Kenny Pickett now, Kenny now, I feel like I'm saying his name wrong. Pickett, um, he has small hands. Will can he play in the NFL? Well, I mean, I think I think the scouts are going to look at that. I I don't think that will be um, a super big deterrent. Um, as long as he can throw the ball and make the throws, which I assume he can. Uh, the thing with quarterbacks is being able to, you know, read defenses and have leadership. And if he shows that, then, I mean, I don't think he will drop a whole lot because of his hand size. You know, you always hear that kind of stuff. Offensive lineman, oh, he's got short arms. You know, no, no, he can't be a tackle because he his arms aren't long enough. Well, that's that, you know, that's not always, that's not always proven out to be the case. Um, I, again, I think it makes good talk for everybody. It makes good radio, but as far as, um, I mean, some, some scouts may look at it and say, uh, yes, well, let's take a look at, you know, you know, everybody involved. But as far as if somebody wants a quarterback and the first two quarterbacks are gone and he's the next guy, people aren't going to just keep passing him because his hands are too small. I don't think. I think the comparison is Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater before his pro day was considered to be one of the top quarterbacks in the draft. He had a bad pro day and he dropped down the board. He still got drafted. I think, First round, 32nd overall, I think, uh, somewhere in that range. But uh, I think Kenny Pickett could take a little bit of a tumble, kind of like Teddy Bridgewater did. You might see Pickett be the third quarterback versus the second quarterback, or maybe even the fourth. I don't think so, but maybe even the fourth quarterback. For him, it depends on where he goes, though. I mean, it depends on everybody like that. But when you talk about small hands, one thing you talk about is cold weather, being able to grip the ball um, and, and control the ball in cold weather. So a team that's, that's outside and in the cold a lot, may have to pass on Pickett now. Uh, but, again, he played at Pitt. It wasn't warm at Pitt. And uh, and you got to look at the tape and see what he did. Uh, just another thing to talk about. But it's interesting. My first thought was, well, this is a proven fact. No one under nine-inch hands has had success in the NFL. But I don't know how many had the opportunity, <laughs> you know, because it was such a big deal. You know, we're not going to draft him. We're not going to play him as quarterback. We're moving this guy to running back or receiver or whatever because his hands are too small to play quarterback. So maybe there hasn't been enough opportunity for smaller hands guys to play uh, the position. We will find out here in just a couple of months' time uh, we, as well. And when you talk about cold weather, he did play at Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, yeah. No, so, yeah, so he, said, not, it wasn't hot he, at Pittsburgh. <laughs> he, he has played in, in cold weather, so. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we'll see. Now, it's not Lambeau Field or Soldier Field. 
but uh, cold still nonetheless. I mean, the Steelers need a quarterback, so maybe they'll just keep him in the house. Uh, that's where the Pitt plays their football games is there at Heinz Field, so why not? Um, all right, NFL draft is coming. As soon as we get into free agency, we'll start our draft coverage here on the show. Um, but uh, we don't want to put in all the work just to have free agency change everything. So we'll, we'll work on that as we get closer to the NFL draft. Uh, Dad, last topic I want to get to today is the NCAA basketball. It's almost March Madness. We're two weeks away, uh, actually less than that, away now from uh, from the end of the regular season, end of the conference play, conference tournaments. Um, the team that I follow, Eastern Kentucky, the guys lost in the first game. The girls won their first round game in the A-Sun tournament, so they played Liberty on Sunday. But um, most conferences start their tournament next week. And then we get into March Madness a week from Sunday, uh, get the brackets out and everything. Uh, is there any team that's surprising you? We already talked about Coach K. He's going to be given everything that he wants, get to do whatever he wants, going to be given a free ticket into the NBA, uh, the NCAA Finals. But outside of Duke, is there anybody else that you look at and go, yeah, this is going to be a fun run come March? Well, it, it, again, I you know, I've said all along, there's just, you know, you get to top 12, 16 teams. I think they're all – can be pretty even. I do think, we, as we said, I think on the last show, I think the um, uh, conference tournaments could be a lot more interesting this year, the way things have shaken out. Usually I didn't think that made a lot of difference. I think it definitely will as far as the seedings are concerned. And the rankings do really make a difference. The NCAA tournament bracket, you get down, you drop down a little bit, you're playing a really good team, especially the second game, um, you know, to try to get into the final four uh, makes a big difference. So, and I think you're going to have a lot of um, matchups that look really good, and you're going to have a lot of a lot of matchups that maybe don't look that way right off. It's going to be some really good basketball games. I think it'll be it'll be good. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how many uh, teams, different conferences get in. I'm sure the big conferences will have um, the majority of them. But, um, you know, maybe some of the small conferences will get two or three um, teams in. You know, it's, it, it, it's different. You have all these factors now that the committee goes with and strength of schedule and all that. I remember the day when if you got 20 wins, you were almost in. And that's not the case necessarily um, now. Um, you know, like you talked about Eastern Kentucky, I keep up a lot with Middle Tennessee State. Um, they've got 20 wins. The girls got 21 wins. Um, but again, I think they're both going to have to do well in their conference tournament to be sure to get in. Yeah. I don't think this is a bold take, but I think one of the top eight teams, current top eight teams, is going to win the national championship. There are good teams that are not in the top eight that can definitely make a run get into the finals. But I think when you look at Gonzaga, Arizona, Baylor, Duke is one through four, Auburn, Kansas, Kentucky, Purdue is five through eight. I think one of those eight teams is winning it all. Which one though? I have no idea. And did you see that Duke already requested to be in the Chicago uh, bracket uh, where they play in Chicago because that's where coach K is from. And they and the number one overall seed gets to pick which which region they go to. Um, really? Duke has already requested to be in the Chicago region. I, I didn't know that anybody got to request where they went. Yeah, so they typically put you in your region wherever you're from, but you're allowed to ask to to do it to be in a different region. Um, it doesn't change the brackets as far as the teams oh. and where they're seated. 
It just means that um, when they when the number one overall seed, if they put them in the West and they want to be in the North Northwest, they can say we we want our bracket to be in the Northwest, and that's where they go. Gotcha. Yeah, because so. that has changed a little bit. It used to be that everybody in a you know played in a certain area, and now they do move around. Um, and I think what different teams in different brackets play in the same city sometimes, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they do, <laughs> yeah, which is always exciting. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, Coach K and the conspiracy will be full-blown uh, come Selection Sunday. We'll have plenty to talk about for that Monday show on uh, exactly how the committee uh, rewarded Duke and screwed everybody else over. So we'll see We'll see how that all goes on Selection uh, Sunday, which I can't believe we're already almost to Selection Sunday. Um, it'll be a good time and, uh, and excited about what's ahead. I want to let people know, um, go back and listen to our Wednesday episode, our local hour episode. Uh, we had some great guests on Dan. We had an assistant coach, uh, Steve Lepore. He's, uh, our Wednesday episodes, all Eastern Kentucky sports, but this, this episode, I think a lot of people enjoy Steve Lepore is the assistant coach for the men's basketball team. He's responsible for a lot of the development of players. Gave some really good information there. We talked to Greg Todd, who's the head coach of the women's basketball team, um, as they're preparing for and won their first game in the ASUN tournament. It's his first year at the helm at Eastern Kentucky, and so it's it's a building program. He started this year and working to build off of it. But then, then our last guest uh, was named Kendall Ewell. He's an outfielder for Eastern Kentucky baseball, team, and uh, he's an MLB prospect. Uh, and uh, so, uh, It'd be good, it'd be good. Uh, he had about what he's working on and played the Appalachian League uh, this summer. Uh, I'll be playing the Okay, all I got. Dad, you got anything else for us today? Uh, no, I think we're in good shape there. So, all right. Yep. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to today's Sports Stove Podcast. Uh, thank you. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you again very soon. Until next time, we'll see you uh, around the